Just so everyone is aware, I will say video cast sometimes because I actually have a YouTube channel. If you would like to check me out, it is called The Gospel Call. There you can watch my sermons and interviews with people where I ask for their thoughts on the afterlife. I go through the good person test and even talk about the wonderful plan of salvation, like how Jesus paid for all our sins. Yeah, that one. I also have a TikTok channel at The Gospel Call No Spaces and Instagram, also The Gospel Call No Spaces. So thank you very much for checking out my podcast. I hope you enjoy it. God bless. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithfulness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true, though everyone were a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means, for then how could God judge the world? For if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. Shalom to you. I am Samuel David Spoonar, and welcome to the Gospel Call podcast. It has been a while, and at least a long journey for me to finally get to another podcast, but I am so glad to be here. As you probably heard already, I'm reading Romans chapter 3. It is the ESV, and you can use other versions, which they get the same idea across. It's just, it's a very plain translation. That's why I'm using it. But this chapter is very unique. They had a unique situation. They were kind of a mix between Gentiles and Jews. And not a lot of churches had it in the way that they did. They were kind of like half and half. And so Paul would be explaining things to the Jews and then also to the Gentiles. So you see a lot of that throughout Romans is like where he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. But like, why? Because because that was the congregation. That was the church that he was writing to. So a lot of this is specifically for those people. And even just in remembering that, there is a big difference between the Jew and the Gentile. At least there was definitely a bigger difference. I would say that the Bible is pretty much a focus towards the Jews, even the New Testament. But when you take in the historical context, you can find practical applications, which are done all the time with sermons. It's not that it can't apply to other people. In fact, it applies to other people like all the time. That's not my point. The narrative is focused around the Jewish people, right? Jesus Christ was a Jew. He wasn't a Roman. He wasn't... Um, Native American. He wasn't Indian. He didn't live in another country. He lived in Israel and he lived just like all the other Jews, except as the best of them. 
So when Paul is pretty much saying like, or asking like, what's the difference between the Jew and the Gentile? Like, it was a circumcision pretty much pointless? Like, no, it wasn't completely pointless. And uh, for those who know what circumcision is, it was supposed to be a sign to the Gentile people that these people were holy and separate from the rest of the world and holy for God. But it was more supposed to be on the inside, and that's that was talked about a lot in the prophets. But my point is, is that circumcision was to bring about a physical or show a physical separation, like a different kind of person. And so when Paul is talking about ultimately God's law and he gets into justification here, he's kind of bringing out the point that like to God, spiritually, there is not really a difference and that there are some small differences, right? And there's some advantage to the Jews, right? The Bible says that the gospel was to the Jews first. Also says that the the Jews were the ones to receive God's blessing in the first place too, and that whomever they bless will be blessed and whomever they curse will be cursed. And even now, looking at the Israel and Hamas war, those people despise the Jews and they are still being protected and honestly, they're ultimately being protected by God. And even in the six-day war, it was six days because the Israelites absolutely kicked behind <laughs> in a crude way to put it. But God has given them a lot and blessed them a lot. They are surrounded by enemies and somehow still alive. That is God. So God still loves his people, but they aren't as different as one might think. And I want to keep reading. I, I'm at verse 9 now. What then? Are Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all both Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Wow. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. It's so interesting how this passage from, I believe it was Jeremiah, actually, it applies to the Gentiles as well. It's not just talking about the Jews, even though that specifically, that prophecy was written to the Jews, but it's talking about everyone in the world, every person in the world. There's no one righteous. There's no one that actually does a morally perfect thing or, or no one that is morally perfect is, is what it's saying in the end. Of course, Middle Eastern language tends to be exaggerative, but the point it's trying to get across is that there's no one who could stand righteous before God. There's ultimately no one morally perfect. 
And if you've watched any of my other videos or seen me go through the law, you've seen, you've seen that, right? No one's perfect. And pretty much everyone can admit to that. But the fact that it's pointing it out, like there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek in their spiritual depravity, right? In their spiritual depravity, there's no difference. And I want to keep going forward because it gets even better. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. This is why I go through the law. In fact, in my video that I did with uh, Romans chapter 2 where I said this changed my life or this chapter changed my life or changed my evangelism, it was because it went over how the law is written on our hearts. And it goes in, Paul goes in further um, in even later chapters about how powerful the law is and how, again, it, it's supposed to stop the mouth ultimately and help held everyone accountable before God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. This is the point of God's law. And this is why Jews, God's holy people, could never earn God's grace and mercy, or they could never earn justification, which means to be made right. They could never earn righteousness. It's because God's law isn't there to justify you. The works of the law can't justify you, but rather it help, helps you, holds you accountable before a holy God. It's supposed to bring you before God's mercy. And most people will say, well, where's the hope then? Well, first of all, that's not the point. The point is, is that everyone is a sinner before a holy God if you've broken even one of the commandments and you can't be justified by doing the commandments, by keeping them, because if you break them, they are broken and that's the end of it. It's not even an arbitrary thing too. It's just, it was never there to justify you. It was never to make you holy or make you righteous. It was there to hold you, as I said before, hold you accountable. And and so that when you stand before God, you you can't say anything in return, right? And that you are guilty and you must be condemned to an eternal hell. And this is then where the hope comes in. This is what the Jews knew a lot of and understood a lot of why Jesus, most of the time when he was talking to Jews, he pretty much never went over the law. It was only when he uh, came across a rich young ruler who was not a Jew, uh, who had kept commandments, but yet Jesus had gone over the commandments with him. And even if it, even if he was a Jew, which again, I don't think he was, then him trying to keep the law doesn't make him holy. It doesn't justify him at all. And so when he asked him to then give up everything and follow him, he was grieved because a lot of the things that he had, it, it was out of greed. He had a selfish 
sinful desire. And even though he had kept those commandments, he still wasn't righteous before God. And so I want to keep going here and just really listen to the words and their power. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short, fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, in that we are justified, anyone can be justified through faith in Jesus Christ. And God is just in that. He makes us just because of that free gift that he will give us. So he makes us just, so he's a justifier, but then he's also being just in that someone else took the punishment and that someone else Someone took our place and we are still getting, we are getting that justification, right? It's not like we're getting a get out of jail free ticket. It's more like we're having our fine paid for. So it's, it's slightly different and it's kind of the same outcome, but the, what's involved, the action, the, the ins and outs are different and God is still just he, because he's the standard of justice and he upholds justice, he's always going to be just. So he made it this way so that he is just in any scenario. Isn't that insane? It's genius of God because he's upholding his own standard. He's not going against anything he is or that he said he was. And I'll continue on. I'm almost done here. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. And this goes back to what Jesus had said to the Pharisees. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And that our faith in Jesus Christ, it justifies us, but why in the world would we boast about thing, something so small and so frail as faith? We lose it all the time. And yet, just a, a seed, a seed the size of a mustard seed, it makes us just before a holy God. And just a tiny bit, tiny bit of trust. 
ultimately makes us holy and gets our sins forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that's why we have faith, right? We don't have faith because we're so great or because we're so bad, but it's because Jesus Christ was so great, because Jesus Christ paid for our sins in a way that we never could, right? He lived a life that we couldn't live. We couldn't be perfect. And he died a death that we could never die. And ultimately, that's why you can't have any boasting, whether you're Jew or whether you're a Gentile. It doesn't matter. There's no distinction before God. You're still a sinner. You still ultimately need to have faith in Jesus Christ. You're all under the law of bondage until you have faith in Jesus Christ, and then you belong to the law of faith, which is the fulfilled law of the prophets and of God's original precepts and Ten Commandments. It's all fulfilled in the idea of trust. And ultimately, that trust comes from love. I mean, think about it like this, right? You have a, a brother, and you care about him quite a lot. You've known him for a, a long time, your whole life, of course, and you have spent lots of time with him over your life. But he wrongs you in a very, very bad way, and it hurts you, but you love him. And he is sorry, truly sorry for what he's done. And ultimately, he's trying to get gain trust again. Once you give him the gift of forgiveness, then not only does he trust in you quite a lot and love you more, but then also you are allowing him to receive to receive a, a gift, this gift of forgiveness. And I think that's too why Jesus said that unless you forgive your brother of the sins that he's committed against you, your father in heaven will never forgive you. And I think it's because it's so similar to what God has done for us in that we have wronged God, our creator, but yet he has forgiven us and we ultimately need to have just simple trust and faith to receive that forgiveness. It's all paid for on the cross, every single sin, but we just need to receive that. Otherwise, if we say no, we are taking those sins back onto us in that bondage, and we're going to take them to hell. It's either you reject or you don't. And again, no distinction from Jews or Gentiles. In in other words, just non-Jews. That's what Gentile means. I forgot to say that at the beginning. But this, this chapter just makes me happy. It makes me think of how great and how kind God is for what he has done. And it makes me glad-hearted that even though I am a Gentile, even though I'm, I'm not a Jew, even though maybe I've grown up in a Christian home, I have failed on God's law in so many different accounts. And I maybe sometimes understand how the Jews have felt during Jesus's time. And that that simple trust in him, you just, you give it all up. You give all your sins up to him. And and that's that trusting. You're having that faith in him for the forgiveness of sins, for the justification of your sins. It's not to have a better life. It's not to have a wonderful plan for your life. It's not to just go to heaven. 
It's not to be saved from hell, even though I, I want all of those things. But it's to be saved from the bondage of my sin. It's to be broken free. Now you're free. You're under the law of faith. You're not under the law of sin. And you don't belong under that anymore if you have trust in, or faith, simple childlike faith in Jesus. It's not always easy, especially as I'm getting older. Faith is just one of those things that doesn't really come easy. And trust, it, it doesn't really come easy. But that's why Jesus said, in order to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must become like a child. Because children, they have faith in like everyone. They, they almost have no doubts. Mostly because they don't realize the sinfulness of human beings. But this is the point I'm trying to get at. Is that God still loves every human being on earth. Just like every human being on earth has been made unrighteous because of their sins, he made a way so that every human being on earth can be justified. And when we bring a separation and say, no, Jesus only died for certain people, then we get into the same problem that Peter had right before God had showed him the vision, even during the vision, the vision of the uh, white tapestry and that it came down, it, it was filled with animals that he wasn't supposed to eat. And God said in kind of a mystical voice, he's like, eat and, and feast. Peter said, no, Lord, I can't eat what is unclean. And God said it again. And he said, no, Lord, I can't eat what is unclean. And eventually he said, do not say what is unclean, what I say is clean. In other words, you don't determine what I say is, is in my realm of worthiness. You don't determine that. And this is kind of a strike at Calvinism. It's kind of a strike. Also, Jehovah's Witnesses too, but it, it is the idea that Jesus died for only certain people and that only certain people can be justified. No, everyone can be. Everyone can be justified and everyone has a choice. Of course, there's election. It's in the Bible. I, in fact, I really appreciate it. I love the fact that God loves me enough to predestine my life because I am not so good at organizing it, not because that's my fault, but because that's just how life works. Um, but I think also that has to do with God being in control. But Jesus didn't just choose certain people and be like, no, I'll only die for these people. No, I died for everyone. And everyone who has this simple childlike faith can have that gift of salvation, whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, whether you're unelect or elect. It's that God knew who would trust him. And so he prepared for that ahead of time. He prepared, it's called provisionism, essentially. Um, and I don't want to get too far into that because that's not what this video is about. But just think about these things. Think about the idea of us all being under the bondage of sin and the same law before God and all unrighteous before God and yet being made righteous through Jesus Christ. And now we can all be made righteous through this faith, through this law of faith. It's just a wonderful and pleasant thought. I hope you all enjoyed this. I can't wait, honestly, till next time. I don't know if I'll do this every week or every other, probably ever, every other. 
I'm just getting more and more busy, but I do have an announcement since some of you maybe have made it to the end. I am doing another channel. It is called Zendon for charity. So X-H-E-N-D-O-N for charity. I do live streams. I actually play Fortnite uh, with some friends of mine and my brother, and we just kind of hang out and chill. But well, it's more than that. It's actually pretty crazy. But every single kill that we get in, um, we're in diamond rank right now. Uh, we play in diamond rank and every kill we get, we will give a dollar to a new homeless shelter for Green County of Wisconsin. It is a great need and it is something that my dad is passionate about and he, it was his idea. We have Salvation Army backing us up and I just want to help, especially on the video end and just getting this out there. So you can look up that channel again, Zendon for Charity. Um, First Baptist Church of Monroe, Wisconsin, or FBC Monroe WI is our YouTube channel. Uh, we also have a Facebook too. And again, First Baptist Church of Monroe, Wisconsin, you can find us on there. It's all legit. It's just, we need support. We need money. Uh, I will put the GoFundMe in the link in the description if you want to give. It's not that we need lots and lots of money for a building. It's that we really just need support and money will really help with that. So that's why I have like a $100,000 goal. It doesn't matter really how much we need. I, I could set it to a million and keep going for real. But please just think about giving. Uh, it is for a great cause. Um, I would probably just pray, honestly. Uh, that is something that we covet. We're looking for a building. Uh, we thought we had one and it didn't work out. So we're still looking for a building. We're going to have some good content coming through. We want to make it actually a documentary on just the whole process of it. And if it works out, great. Praise God. But thank you again all for listening. I hope that you all have a wonderful day and God bless.